The truth of the matter is that we're not very good at uh, freeing ourselves up from our focus. Uh, we, we tend to obsess on ourselves, and the result of that is uh, bad vision. Uh, it's, uh, it, we might as well be blind. Thank you for joining us for Effective Heart Change. The podcast will discuss how to apply faith principles to real-life situations. This is Effective Heart Change. Today on Effective Heart Change, we are winding down on another series. What do you think, Dale? Well, then I'd call that the big wrap. The big wrap. (laughs) (laughs) We hope. We we, we hope. With us, if you remember in the last series, we were going to wrap it, and then it turned into two last wraps. Amazing, isn't it? I I can't imagine someone as... as, uh, Dedicated as you are to <laughs> schedule. Yeah, or verbose. How, how about if we go with that one? <laughs> I don't have words for I, that one. I, I, I have words to fill the page. <laughs> so let's fill it. And welcome. <laughs> if you go back to the previous series, which these two series are really are tied together, and that's the step-by-step spiritual foundation series. It talks about laying in layers, I mean, putting in these foundational spiritual pieces so that you can do healthy life. And the way that you do that is through the receiving process. And we've talked about how do you receive so far. We've also talked about the different blockages when you get into the traumas, when you get into the shutdowns, when you get into the broken spirits. All of these kinds of things shut down receiving, which, going back to the previous series, then shuts down your ability to do those spiritual developmental layers. And so here I am facing life, and I'm just not equipped to do life. (laughs) What we are equipped to do is throw up blockages. Uh, We're good at that. Particularly to the spiritual end of things. And uh, it's brought into focus for me. Uh, all the many ways that we block God's presence and participation with him uh, for our own good and our best result. I call this one targeted receiving because it does go back to the previous series, and it ties into what, what if I struggle with rejection, or what if I struggle with rebellion, or what if I struggle with, you know, I just don't have confidence to do life. If you tie it back into the previous series, There's a foundational layer there. There's a foundational piece that's not in place. So then I want to target my receiving to build up that particular point. I'm reminded of a saying that I came across uh, just after I graduated from college and had my job as a coach. Uh, If you aim at nothing, you'll hit it. And and, uh, oftentimes uh, without... A, a goal of some sort, uh, uh, you're going to miss the target virtually every time. To really focus in, a lot of the time when people aren't receiving, there are blockages. It has to do with fear. It has to do with woundedness. It has to do with pain. And those end up being the primary blockage points because then we become obsessed with our own lives and with things that could happen to us in a way that we're just not able to connect with God. So 
part of what we're talking about here is me being able to take that whole pain area, get it handed off to God, and usually that involves forgiveness. And so I'm, I, I'm, here I am trying to do that process. Well, one of the statements that I made in the articles that we're working off from, when I'm receiving forgiveness from God, I'm not just receiving forgiveness. I'm receiving a word that I coined. It comes out of uh, Hebrews 11.1, 1, where it talks about substance. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. When I'm interacting with God, I'm handing off my pain, I'm handing off the bitterness, the woundedness, the offenses, and I'm receiving stuff back. I'm not just kind of getting rid of that. I'm receiving a solidness and a substance back that allows me to be able to do life in a better way. The truth of the matter is that we're not very good at uh, freeing ourselves up from our focus. Uh, we, we tend to obsess on ourselves, and the result of that is a bad vision. Uh, it's, uh, it, we might as well be blind. Uh, maybe that's not a bad uh, picture to, to paint, that we're, we're blind to how off-target we are. And, and uh, the presence of God, uh, we talked about that in the group today, uh, he's there all the time. And when we're not hearing him or not listening to him, uh, maybe that's one and the same, uh, we tend to lose focus. The focus tends to switch just to us, and uh, we're not in the right place. You brought it up, but the first thing is you become blind, you become obsessed in the pain area. Some people go to the next step of at least transferring it to God. Or medicating it. <laughs> or, or medicating it. Yeah, a lot of people. I mean, that's, yeah. that's really what drugs and alcohol is primarily. It's a medication of the pain area. So if you learn to do it right, you can hand it off to God, and way too many people, they're done at that point. I've talked about my offense. I've taken this unforgiveness. I've given it to God. I'm done. It's like they drop it, and then they run. It's, it's like they're afraid to commune with God. They're afraid to go into this receiving time. And again, the title, If Receiving is the Answer, it is the answer. I've got to slow down and wait and actually receive something after I drop off my package. When I'm dropping off that package of doubt or fear or pain or woundedness, I'm still empty. And I've got to drink that in. And when I drink that in, that's the building of the layers. That's the equipping of the person to do life. And we're not very good at doing that receiving piece. The, when I read this uh, piece that you've, you're talking about, uh, you made the point that just because we've handed it off, we've confessed our sin, uh, it doesn't go away uh, in, in the sense that uh, there's a, the reality is that uh, God forgives, but he doesn't just take it out of existence, uh, it goes somewhere. And, and so that idea that we hand the package over to him, it's like me putting something in the mail, then I'm not going to worry about it because it's up to the postal service. I get a call later that the, po the package didn't arrive, and I'm wondering, well, what happened? Uh, I think that that's a parallel that you can expand on with, the, with sin. It is, but let's take that to the next step. Let's say you're sending something and you're supposed to get something back. 
I think way too often that exact same picture. We're good at putting in the mail and we're done, as you <laughs> said. We don't expect something back. Right. And we've got to start expecting something back. If I was offended over here, if I was fearful over here, if I was broken over here, if I stay the same person, I'm going to respond to life exactly the same way over and over and over again. And what's really changed? And the answer is nothing. And a lot of people are on the forgiveness merry-go-round in that way that they drop the package off, but they never get anything back from God in a way that changes them. So nothing happens. They keep doing the same thing. They keep having to go for to hand off wounds or to uh, ask forgiveness or whatever, and life doesn't change. That's not the way it should be. I've handed it over to God. I wipe my hands of it, and it's up to Him from there on. Uh, the The purpose of God's presence is relationship, and and a relationship isn't a one way thing. There there are outcomes even to our positive acts, and and we need to to respond to God in in thanks, but it also in receiving. The, the reciprocal value that he's giving back to us that, okay, I've got this, now what are you going to do? Your response is as important as giving it over. And I've got to get into that zone of targeted receiving. It kind of helps if you have some idea what you need from God and you're looking at interacting and what we need, this is where faith becomes real and a lot of times it's not. We, we need to understand that I need this, going back to spiritual layers. I need this filled up. I need this change because I don't want to keep responding to life the same way. And you can do targeted receiving in a way that will change your life. We'll be talking about that in the next segments, obviously, but we're going to take a break, review where we've been, and then we will continue on targeted receiving. When you talked about the sin doesn't go away, that was really, in many ways, a new thought for me. That uh, that there is a there is an outcome that is eternal, and and uh, that broadening of the picture is really positive because it. Uh, I, I had the sense that it's forgiven the the expression it's as far away as the east from the west you know that I, I've had I've had that come up a number of times in my lack of understanding uh, and and that was part of it uh, and that phrase is in Psalm 103 so there's reason for people to bring that up when God's looking at you. The sin is as far as the east is from the west, so you can come boldly to the throne of grace, and you can cry out to God. I mean, all of those are important concepts, but that's why I use the term heart change. If I don't get heart change, I'm going to keep responding the same way I've always responded. How do I get heart change? Not by dropping the package off, 
not by doing the forgiveness, the request, etc. I've got to receive something. I've got to drink something in. So if I don't drink that in, I'm no better off than I was. God may not remember my sin. He may not hold it against me, so to speak, but I'm still doing the same foolish, hurtful, tragic things. And then I look at God and, he's, and, and I blame God. If you, And it's like, that's it? That's all you've got, God? You use the word remember. And, and uh, that's another verse or a, a, an interpretation uh, that threw me off. Because if he doesn't remember, the, the obvious jump is he forgets. Well, God doesn't forget. Finally reached that conclusion that he chooses not to remember. There's a big difference there. And, and the reality that, that reality is that sin has a life of its own. It, 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 good things matter, and sin matters. And, and they continue to exist. And in that process, uh, there's a clarity, if, if, you, if we'll receive it, that it matters. And, and that exchange, me handing the package over to God, is important. It's, it's vital. It's, it's a continuation of a relationship that, that he established for our benefit. But the reality is that whatever we confess is, is not gone. It's set aside. And, and it has a heritage of its own. And so it is important that we recognize that. One of the concepts that ties in with what you're talking about is the idea of forbearance, and that's an old word. But the idea, it says that in God's forbearance, he passed over the sins even before Christ. Let that soak in. Christ had not yet paid the sin, but God was pretty confident that Jesus would do the job. <laughs> so he was pretty confident. Inside yeah, he had, yeah. yeah, he was pretty confident. So he looked forward to the day when Jesus would die and pay for our sins. Because of that, he was able to pass over the sins. That goes back to the whole idea of remembrance. God is able to remember and not remember, and he's not being a forgetful God at that point. He's not being whimsical. He's not being whimsical because he paid the price. His son paid the price. So when he forgives you, it's on the basis of hardcore legal authority of the death of Jesus' his son. I mean, it's important for us to remember that so that he chooses to remember and he remembers according to purpose. Now, I'm going to go back to one of the things that I say all the time, all things work by spiritual authority. God is able to legally forgive you because of the death of his son. But that doesn't change the future. Until there's a receiving, until there's a drinking in, he can not remember and not remember and not remember. It doesn't change life for you. It doesn't change life for your kids. It doesn't change life for your spouse. It doesn't change life for anybody around you. And then it starts to look like and feel like our religion is ineffective and God doesn't want to do anything in our lives. And so when we fixate on just the forgiveness piece and we don't do the heart change piece to where we get to a better place, a different place where we grow, where we're incorporating God into our lives, we don't bring glory to God. We create terrible, tragic outcomes in our worlds, and 
basically the world starts to lose hope because why should we hope? You just keep doing the same foolish things I do. Why, sh- why should I approach your God? Forbearance uh, it occurs to me that is like saying in the meantime. Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't cancel what's happened. It doesn't uh, do it away. Uh, it goes out of existence. It's still there. But in the meantime, God has stepped in, and he has to do it in a way that is absolutely true to who he is, which is justice, capital letters, highlighted, underlined, uh, fancy font, whatever you want. He is a a just God, and he uh, cannot go against his own law. And and so that substitution that Jesus made, uh, before Jesus was here and died, uh, it was in the meantime, but it was, he was able to set it aside, but that doesn't mean that it goes away. So the bottom line is, I want heart change. I don't want to keep doing the same stupid things. And I, we do. And we do. And I don't want to keep dumping negative outcomes on the people around me, and I want to bring glory to God. Well, how does that happen? It happens by receiving, and here's the rest of it. What flows through you sticks to you. There's an obedience part of receiving. It's not like I just sit around in my yoga pose and I cross my legs and my arms and I get mm. real quiet and I get real still and, and God's going to do this thing inside of me and it's all going to just work at that point. Receiving comes back to surrender. It comes back to obedience. But notice the word obedience. It's not works. It's obedience. And we have a promise from God when he tells us to do something, we have a promise from God that he will be there helping us, strengthening us. So when I get ready to live a different way, I remember the promise. Oh, wait a minute. God's with me. He's right here. How can I drink in from God right here and right now so that I have the strength to overcome and live in a different way? Reality is we have this uh, idea about forgiveness for the most part that it's God get me out of this. Uh, I don't like what's happening here. I, I might even have insight enough to know that it's wrong, but the, but the process is, okay, I'm throwing it on you. Take care of this and get me out of this problem and we'll go on. And I love where you've gone because that highlights the personal responsibility that we have in this process. It's not like I use the word God zaps. It's not like we just sit there waiting around, just kind of twiddling our thumbs, hoping that maybe if God just kind of does something, I'm there. The receiving with God is a cooperative process. He waits for us to ask. And then when we ask, it's an interactive thing. God writes on the tablets of our hearts in cooperation with us. It's not it's not this download that's an automatic writing type of a download, but it's a cooperative process. That's what receiving looks like in a biblical format. And yet we have the audacity uh, to question, where are you? What are you doing? Uh, why haven't you fixed this yet? Uh, it's relationship. Uh, he'll do his part. Will you do yours? And the answer to why haven't you fixed that yet is because that's not how he works. If you really want to draw from God, 
you might figure out how he works and actually cooperate with it. Imagine that. Yeah. Let's take a break, cover a few of the topics we've uh, been talking about, and then we'll continue. The title of this one is Targeted Receiving. I'm now, I've, I've had a wound. That wound generally has an area, or I have an area that I'm struggling with. There's an area of my heart. You can actually use your brain in this process where you identify, oh, I'm struggling. And that's part of why we did the Spiritual Foundation series. I'm struggling with rejection. I'm struggling with, I don't feel like I belong. I'm struggling with my faith. I'm struggling with etc. Believe it or not, there are kinds of receiving that like help every one of those areas. I'm struck by the idea that uh, uh, most of these wounds, maybe most is overstating, but, but the majority of these wounds are self-inflicted wounds. If I'm sensing that I'm being injured and hurt, a lot of times uh, I'm doing the wounding as well. The way I receive things or don't receive things uh, has a, a, a direct effect, and my egocentric nature uh, have a direct effect on what I'm receiving. So to, to understand that we're doing it to ourselves is a good start at looking at it. I've written an article on pain, which we'll probably do a program on at some point. But it talks about the idea that your deepest pains are come out of the things that you care about the most. In that sense, the wounds are self-inflicted. What I care about has been violated, so I'm now in pain. How do I take that? How do I hand off to God? How do I receive from God in a way that I get better? So one of the things that you have to do then is you have to identify your pain areas, and you have to identify what drives my pain areas? And so if it's rejection, it's kind of interesting. Rejection has kind of a two-edged sword, if you will. On the one hand, it is relationship pain. And so you start in that particular area that, wow, I care about people and I care about people responding to me. But rejection parallels very closely with acceptance. So if I'm getting acceptance from some people in a way that I feel loved, I feel received, you get those things together, well, there are people out there who are good at showing you love and acceptance. So if I'm struggling with rejection, I might want to start reading the scriptures in areas that talk about rejection and God's acceptance and the fact that he goes the extra mile to pull us in and to cover us and to make us his children. And I might even want to dwell on those scriptures that talk about, wow, we are adopted. We are children. We're completely grafted into the family. And then I want to parallel that with people who are, that's their life message. That's what comes out of them. Now I'm starting to do targeted receiving. So I hear in that name your pain. You, you need to recognize it and acknowledge that I'm hurting and, and, and put a name to it that this is why I think I'm hurting and then uh, follow that. Uh, and my question then would be, if I follow it, 
how do I do that? Is, is it important to name it, to know what you're dealing with, instead of just being obsessed and rushing forward? Or Let's stay with rejection. Uh, naming rejection really doesn't help you. You've got to go to the next step, which is what would the solution to rejection be or the opposite or whatever language? So I've got to move from my pain to the will of God, which is that I'm whole, that I'm solid, that I'm able to handle people. Here's what the will of God is. If I struggle with rejection, I do care about people and I care about relationships. So God wants me built up to the point to where I can offer love. I can offer acceptance. I can offer belonging. We're really talking in that second layer from the last series. So I've done that. Now I want to move from that negative focus to a positive focus, and I need to receive. If I focus on the rejection, I'm doing what we talked about in the earlier segments. I'm carrying my pain. I'm carrying my unforgiveness. I'm carrying my woundedness to God. I'm dropping it, and I'm bolting. But if instead of that, I identify the parallel areas that need to be built up in my heart, and I grow that up, now when you say something to me that normally would have rejected me, I'm like, no, I'm too focused on offering love and acceptance. I'm too focused on the will of God here. I'm not going to be distracted by that. Okay, I'll be distracted for a little bit. I'll stop. I'll get it handed off to God. I'll drink in some love and acceptance from God. I'll connect with this person over here, drink in a little bit of love and acceptance from, from that person. Now I'm filled up. Oh, you're rejecting me. You know what? I've lived there. I've been there, but I'm in a different place now. So I, I, I see that as uh, what you've described, as, as you know what you're facing. Uh, you, I don't think we always know, but we come into... Oh, I'm, I'm feeling rejected. So I've named it. Where do you go from there? Once you've named it, as I talked about, you find the solution. Now, that's what I'm saying, is that what you described is you, you recognize that, the, that you're not feeling good about this exchange. So in that, in that act, you're, you've named it. You, you don't like this. But what we end up doing is fixating on that problem, that pain. I don't like that. I don't like you because of that. Instead of saying, okay, I recognize this. Now, where am I going from here? And that's part of why we've done the last series. And that's why we're doing this series, because it helps you identify those things. And once I'm able to identify it, I'm able to go, okay, this is what I'm struggling with. This is the positive. This is the will of God. So now I want to build up the will of God in my life. So often we think about the will of God as, okay, I'm, I'm going to get a stiff upper lip and I'm going to fight through this thing and I'm going to climb this tall mountain for God. Well, the number one will of God is not that we do all of these tasks. The number one will of God is that we're transformed into the image of Christ. Once I'm transformed in the image of Christ, I virtually can't help myself. I'm going to be a life giver to you. Instead of giving you rejection, I'm going to give you love and acceptance, and you're going to feel like you belong when you're in my presence. Now we've completely changed this picture from a forgiveness religion to an effective religion that changes people's lives. We did I Surrender All today, uh, at least a verse of that. And, and that's what I hear you saying is uh, as the relationship that I have with God, that God has with him, 
with me uh, gets to be more and more, I surrender. I surrender my good things. I surrender my bad things. But it's not throwing it all on him and you take care of this, God, and we'll be good. It's a relationship. It's give and take. Uh, he, he's present all the time. And, and he's got, not going anywhere, but he doesn't always speak first. He waits for you to make a move. It is cooperative. God did not create your heart where he can do that zap and your heart is in a good place. He, he can bring his presence, and when his presence shows up, and it shows up at a high level, we do kind of instantly change. But that also changes back if we don't make the decisions that line up with his presence and don't line up with his word. So he can give us that powerful encounter that lasts for 30 seconds, maybe even 30 days if you're really lucky. But if you don't start making the right kinds of choices, what flows through you sticks to you. If I don't speak the words, if I don't do the obedience, if I don't cooperate with God, it doesn't work. And that goes back to the, the idea we talked about earlier about how sin doesn't disappear. It's set aside. And so if we refuse uh, to, to hear or to act uh, in harmony with what God has, has led us to, then we're, we're saying, oh, well, I'm going to bring that back in. And, and no, it's been set aside for a purpose, and the purpose is for your good and for the good of all people around you. And if you continue to, to say, well, I'm, I'm, I've got to go back and check this out, you're, in, in essence, you're saying, no, God, I don't need your help. Philippians 2 and actually Ephesians 5 in various places give us this idea of work out your own salvation. You know, this is what we're talking about. Yeah. We don't out. have to be brain dead, walking around, hoping that God fixes us. At some point, we can become aware of what's going on, which means that we need to drink in these kinds of things. We need to start speaking and obeying these kinds of things. And if I take these steps, wow, I too can be effective in the kingdom of God. Work out what is worked in is reminds me of making bread. Because you put the yeast in, and then you knead the bread and let it rise. So uh, that when you made that expression, that's, a, that's the way I remember that. Don't just work it out. Work it in. Yeah. And let's work in some questions. And we'll continue. To bring it home, I'm going back to the Spiritual Foundation series. And, and if you go back to that very first layer of safe, the spiritual things that are so important in that layer is rest, is peace. I need spiritual rest. I need spiritual peace in order to feel safe. If I don't feel safe, then what? I have anxiety. How many people today have anxiety issues? Well, there would be more than a few. It's everywhere. You've got the ADHD. You've got, you got all of the different kinds of forms that, that anxiety goes here, goes there. That goes back to then, I need to figure out how to enter into God's rest. Well, that's going to be received. That's going to be received from God to where I can get to a point theologically, first of all, of being able to rest in God, but then experientially rest in God, and not just in God, I need it 
with skin on it. I need it in real life. I need to be around people who actually exude the rest of God in their lives. We need mentors then is what you're saying. Absolutely. And, and to be able to see it in someone else's life is, is a great starting point, maybe a, almost a, a necessary. I think it's part of creation. Uh, we're made to be in relationship with God and each other. Uh, and and without, without models, uh, we're trying to conjure it up on our own, and we're not real good at conjuring. And so often we think of mentors as, okay, this guy really knows the Bible. Well, you know, if you're an anxiety person, the person who totally knows the Bible and just like, you know, blows you out of the water to where you're like, you don't have a clue what he's saying or how he's saying, you walk away from that experience with more anxiety than you walked in. It's intimidating. Yeah, it's incredibly intimidating. So, so the guy who has incredible Bible knowledge may be the absolute worst person for you at that point, targeted receiving. If I'm struggling with anxiety, something that I need is somebody who is actually able to enter into the rest of God and they walk in peace and they're able to talk to me about how to do that and how to walk through steps where I'm going to move from that anxiety to peace or anxiety to rest. I need someone like that. I need a mentor. But the whole idea of mentoring in our culture is give me information, give me steps, give me steps to do. I might just need to expose myself to the right people over a long enough period of time because it does tend to soak in. Spiritual stuff does tend to leak from one person to the next. And that can be a very good thing if you're around people who have the peace of God and the rest of God in their lives. It's interesting that. Uh... Most times we listen to people, uh, and the message subliminally, subliminal, that, whatever that word is, subliminally, I can't say it. Anyway, uh, we take it as, oh, they've been there. And, and there's, a, there's a familiarity in their language or in their, their expression that they're, they've dealt with something that I'm dealing with. And and that's the attraction. And, and so often we try to line up. We first come to faith. We want to go. We want to go with the pastor that got us there. And, and that's the idea that we have. Well, uh, there, that might be a good choice, but it also may be a bad choice as you described. A lot of times the person that's best to help us is someone that's just received what we've received and maybe is not that far ahead or behind us. But we're more likely to have something in common there, but it's that commonality that speaks. It's interesting looking back at my spiritual life. I really took off in college and, and then grew afterward. And during that period of time, I had a series of mentors. I mean, God took me from mentor to mentor to mentor. God and, will do that. And so there was a huge amounts of sowing going on during those periods of time, just responded to different people, even, even as you suggest. Now, I want to bounce one step farther. We've been covering layer two earlier in the program when I was talking about rejection, love, acceptance, belonging. We talked about layer one. If I'm, again, going back to the last series, and I really do encourage you, if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to the last series. We talked about layer one, which is safe and, and needing the peace. Layer three is interesting. Layer three gets into covering which is me surrendering to mentors, if you will, me coming under authority, 
because until I come under that authority, I can't receive back in the same way that God intends, and so it's hard to build faith unless I have a a parent or a caregiver or somebody who handles the bigger picture. Then I'm trying to be an adult while I'm still a child, and everything's just out of kilter. And that's really a lot of what we have going on in our culture, where people aren't willing to mutually surrender to one another or aren't willing to give uh, appropriate authority to a mentor to speak into their lives. And so they really botch that third layer up just because it's like, nope, nope, I'm not giving that kind of authority to nobody. Well, good luck with that. Yeah, the, the importance of communication can't be overstated. But I, we've all been on phone calls where the connection wasn't good. And, and so uh, that could happen because the line was bad. Somebody who didn't speak up. What, there's all kinds of things that can happen, and we need to be able to recognize when the commun- communication isn't good. Uh, and, and the process depends on your ear and your participation uh, on your end of it. Uh, but to recognize that it's not a good connection and find a different one is, is part of the process. And that third layer is highly interactive. So if I'm struggling in that area, I want somebody, not who's going to dictate to me, but I want something where I can be interactive. Then you get to the fourth layer, which is creativity. And someone that I spoke with said, I don't like that name. You know? And I said, well, it's actually the, the phase where you explore. You begin to get out. You try things. I, said, I like that much better. So you've got this phase where a lot of times people just have like zero confidence. They're, they're afraid to try things. They're afraid to try things. I, I can't fail, et cetera. Well, there's specific mentors who will come alongside and say, if you fail, you fail. It's okay. Breathe. Let's just get out there. Let's just try it. Let's see what happens. That's a whole spiritual layer that needs to be born into people and wrapped into people. Every one of the layers have specific targets. They have things that, wow, I need to get this wrapped into me in a way that when I face this the next time, I'm a different person. That aha moment that someone says something and, and that, that implies that you're listening. And I think that this is part of what we've talked about that's really important that we don't do on a regular basis. We don't make a habit of being all in to listen to what someone is saying and waiting for that response uh, that may or may not come. I put the title more in, in the form of a question, which is, if receiving is the answer, let's flip it and just say, receiving is Amen. the answer. And not just receiving, but targeted receiving is the answer. We are allowed to have a brain. We are allowed to actually do some analysis and think through and see and go, wow, I need this, and this isn't who I am. I need to draw this into my life. So we choose mentors. We, we choose Bible studies. We choose different kinds of things that are going to drink in that life in the area that we need so that we can become more whole. We're not just asking for forgiveness, but guess what? We're getting heart change. I love that line. We're all in. We are all in. And I hope that you're all in. 
and that you're going to take these tools and go to the next level in a way that you grow, in the way that you're a life giver, the way you've never been before. We don't want to just speak. We want to see lives changed through these tools and information. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time on the next series. Glad you're with us. Video production, editing, and audio by Matthew. Set design and setup by Ashley. Content recorded live at Studio 104. <laughs> I, my nickname is Grizz, so I'm I'm all about four bear. Mm -hmm. <laughs> four bear. <laughs> Thank you, Dale, for that.